Hello and welcome to episode 258 of the Mark and Me podcast. As always, I'm your host Mark. Now joining me on today's episode is the frontman, the guitarist and the singer from the amazing band Mum Jeans. That's right, today's guest is Eric Butler. I'm so proud of this interview and I've just spent the last couple of days editing this episode and I was sitting there smiling away. I absolutely love this chemistry that we have from the moment we start talking. Sometimes doing interviews you're really fortunate and you just click straight away and for me this is a perfect example of that happening. Eric is amazing, really in depth, really honest and I just absolutely love everything about this interview. I feel it's one of the best ones that I've done in the last few months and I hope you all enjoy it as much as me. And that interview will be coming up in just a couple of moments time. But on Mark and Me, I always like to use the intro just to quickly touch base and talk about my last episode. On episode 257, I was joined by the YouTube sensation, Alex Melton. We got to sit down and talk all about his amazing covers, his brand new album, Southern Charm, and the feedback, as always, has been really positive. I've seen people going on YouTube now and checking out his work, streaming his brand new album, and the feedback overall has just been unreal. So thank you so much to everyone that listened, and I'm really loving seeing people checking out his work because of this podcast. But today, as I said, it's all about the incredible band Mum Jeans. You need to go and check them out. They're unreal. I've only discovered them over the last couple of months because of the podcast, but I've instantly fell in love with them and they've been on my Spotify playlist for the last few months and I absolutely adore them. But just before I give you that interview with me and Eric, I want to give a big shout out to the main sponsor of this podcast, Richer Sounds. You may have heard on the last couple of episodes, I've just signed an amazing sponsorship deal with these guys. I'm so proud to be working with someone so good and a company that's just so, so strong. And if you're in the market right now for any hi-fi equipment like Sonos or a brand new TV or a Blu-ray player, just go on richersounds.com. They are the best company out there and I'm not being paid to say that. I've worked for them and I absolutely adore them. Go and check it out and honestly, you won't be let down. All that's left now is to get to the interview with me and Eric. So here it is. Here's me and Eric talking all things music. So, Eric, thanks for joining me today on the Mark and Me podcast. No problem. Thanks for having me. Eric, what I like to do, maybe some people are tuning in for the very first time and might be discovering your band then via this podcast. What I want to do is basically help those people get an idea about you. So let's take it right back to the beginning and talk to me about those first albums that you remember buying that made you fall in love with music. Oh, wow. That's interesting music has been sorry a really big part of my life um i think my both of my parents or neither of them were musicians but they're both really big fans of music so i was i was just getting handed albums i didn't even buy very many as a young child i was just like given a lot of stuff from both of my parents um my mom was like a huge bon jovi fan um like really really big bon jovi fan and like that kind of like stadium like 80s like hair metal like rock and roll stuff and so like i i listened I, I remember growing up watching the slippery when wet tour oh wow um, like dvd video from bon jovi like a lot in the crush tour um and being like really influenced by like bon jovi and like richie sambora and thinking they were super cool and then my dad um was really really big into bare naked ladies um and like anything canadian pretty much because my family's canadian so um i i grew up listening to a ton of like bare naked ladies albums and a ton of like Bon Jovi. And that was kind of like where I split my time. I think the first album I ever bought myself 
was Under My Skin by Avril Lavigne in wow, like that's, the uh, third I feel or the fourth old. grade. I feel really old because I remember buying <laughs> that. I must have been at college, I think, that came out. Yes, I was I was in elementary school and I think that was it was just one of the first times I was ever like in like Walmart or Target or something and like actually saw something on the CD rack and I I had always like again like my parents tell me everything Canadian like Avril Lavigne is Canadian so I was like oh she's Canadian like how can you say no to me wanting to like listen to this and I really really liked it and it was a really cool album it also had like had some swear words in it so like I would hear like the clean radio edit and then I would hear like the swear word version like on my CD so like that was that was pretty cool so but I don't know I like I always I always listened to music but the idea of like being in a band always seemed like really really unattainable so like as a young child that was never really I guess like a a tangible like dream or anything that I saw myself doing I just like really enjoyed um all that stuff like as a as a fan I enjoyed going to concerts and stuff like that and but yeah I think like I got into I got into ska music like really really big when I was in high school and I bought the I bought the first Aquabats album and I bought the first Real Big Fish album and I bought at that time the new Less Than Jake album and they were all on CDs from like the rec like record store in Berkeley and I just fell in love with ska music and that's when I was like oh I want to start a band I want to do this and I want to like learn how to play instruments and like write songs and and that was like really really formative for me was like going through like that kind of like third wave ska and like all the stuff that influenced that and going back into it. So yeah, kind you just of silly, mentioned but... then as well, you went to a lot of gigs and I didn't realize that Avril Lavigne albums nearly 20 years old now, which yeah. absolutely blows my mind. Um, can you remember those first gigs you went to that you remember maybe the hair stuck up on your neck or you were just, you know, you, you're there completely infatuated by what's going on on stage and probably making you think that's what I want to do. Yeah. And so like, I remember my first concert that like I ever wanted to go to that, like my parents like got tickets and took me to, and it was also Avril Lavigne. It was the, that tour, it was the under my skin tour. Um, but yeah, again, like I, I, I would go to see bands with like, like I saw Bon Jovi with my mom. I saw Sarah McLaughlin with my parents. I saw Avril Lavigne. I saw Bare Naked Ladies, but I was in high school again. I was like a freshman in high school and there were some like local bands, like local ska bands, uh, that were just kids that went to my high school and they threw a show at the back of a now closed like it was like a very early like hype beast like t-shirt store but this isn't like 2000 and like nine so it was like not like streetwear was like not <laughs> nearly as big or as much of a thing as it is now so it was like almost like too early like in the wrong time but they like had this like crazy like hype beast streetwear brand like t-shirt shop in the downtown like Pleasanton, which is like this super like nice like affluent community that like I grew up in. And it just didn't make sense. But they threw like a ska show in the back of it in like this little courtyard when I was in high school. And I went, I think kind of just because everybody else at my school was going and because a lot of the kids that were like in marching band and I was in marching band were like their bands were playing. And that was like that was the moment that I was like, I want to do this. Cause I didn't, again, it never seemed like tangible to me. Like I always liked rock stars and I always looked up to rock stars and all of my concert experiences had been really like stadium 
yeah. stuff or like going to like a winery to like see bare naked ladies because like that's where they play now it's like they play at wineries and <laughs> it's so funny and, isn't it? <laughs> and but i don't know that was my first time ever seeing somebody my age or like close to my age or even younger than me like strapping on an instrument and performing music that they had written that was theirs and doing it for their peers and like the I don't know. Yeah. The simultaneous like confidence and also like vulnerability and like mixture of like skill and like just like fear and anxiety. Like I was just really drawn um, to that atmosphere. And I saw the way that I reacted like I did in my first mosh pit at that show. Like I crowd surfed for like the first time at that show and like got a black eye and like almost chipped a tooth. And it was just like the most some of the most fun I think I've ever had in my entire life genuinely and i was just really drawn into it and the fact that i could have that much fun and it'd be my first time and i have like really no idea what i was up for going into it was really really formative and really life-changing and i think from yeah end of my freshman year of high school like that has been always the goal for me not even necessarily to do what like mom jeans is doing now and like getting to tour the world and like make albums and stuff like that but just getting to play music for for people for like my my peers and feel understood and feel like i was giving them a place to like express themselves and like be entertained at the same time like i've always loved that and that was that was in high school when i figured that out so did you have like-minded friends around you that were like let's have a jam or let's you know let's let's try and form a band because everybody at school and college kind of does that battle of the bands thing and high school bands that everyone does you might just be in a covers band i was in like a green day cover band and silver chair cover band when i was at school and that's all everyone did no one ever wrote their own music yeah so i mean i think it was like a little bit of both i mean like in hindsight right we were just like this rinky dink little like high school band that never did anything but like we wrote our own songs we started off like doing a bunch of covers um and stuff like that but yeah it was it was interesting i think there was like a handful of kids at my school and like the people who i ended up like starting a band with and writing music with who like kind of knew like what i like felt the same way that i did and like wanted to accomplish the same thing um but i think i was very much like the spearheader like of that entire situation like i think i was kind of the one who like kind of uh, saw the big picture and like tried to bring all of the people together and it's really funny too like the way that you do things when you're young and the way that you you know you just put together a band in your mind well like this guy plays guitar and like this person plays trumpet and like this person plays drums so like get us all in a room and naturally <laughs> just it work. should work out yeah. right not realizing that like being a band is way more about creating a safe emotional space for each other than is way more about really like nurturing friendships and relationships and like growing as a team. And that's not determined by like how good anybody is at their instrument at the end of the day. Um, so it was a lot of like, it was really like three years of that in high school of just like me, like picking the best person at each instrument that I could think of and like trying to convince them to like be in my like really, really bad ska band and do like battle of the bands at, in like San Francisco at like the shady venue that like makes you do like pay to play pre-sale tickets and like all that stuff um it's like but a it horror story those days but when you're but when you're 16 like i feel like that's just even even now like i still feel like that was cool to do when i was 16 like it's cool that yeah, I was doing definitely. that when i was 16 i think the it's just so awesome to be like doing something 
not only like with your friends, but like doing something off of your own uh, volition. And so I think that like that's even though like the genre of the music has changed. And I think like possibly like the reason why we're playing the music and like why we're going out of our way to like make such of an effort has like changed a little bit. I think that like that spirit of just like being really excited about just like doing something with your friends. I think like that. I know that's like why so many people in like bands like like they come from small towns and there's like that trope of like the oh I just got to get out of this town and go to the big city like sort of mentality but I really do feel like a lot of people a lot of musicians like still carry that feeling with them because it's not necessarily a bad thing it's like motivating it's it's exciting to feel that feeling that you felt when you were like 15 or 16 like cruising around your hometown with your friends just bored out of your mind like not waiting until you don't have to ask anybody's permission to go somewhere or do something and you can just freaking do it and you look around you look back now and we're like oh cool we are those people now we can kind of do that and that is fun and that is exciting and that is validating so so talk to me about mom jeans at what point was it that you met the rest of the guys and thought like this is what we're going to do and it's not just a bit of fun it's not just a few guys messing around that can play instruments how was it that you guys actually all came to this one project that you knew would be something that was hopefully going to take off interesting question because i think I've actually, how we all, all four of us, like the current members and, you know, writing yeah. team that is, is mom jeans. Um, it's taken kind of a while to, to land in that place that we, we are now we like, don't have like the original lineup that we started with in college uh, for kind of obvious reasons. Yeah, of Cause course. like just life happens. Right. Um, initially the band was really, and has always consisted of like myself and like our drummer, Austin, and we met uh freshman year uh we actually hung out like the first day of college pretty much um like the first night when everybody moves into the dorms and you go out and you all get party you all party and you all get messed up and i don't know anybody yeah. yeah exactly please be and my friend we were on the same floor um we oh, were on nice. the same floor in the housing unit um he was living with a friend i was living with a friend we ended up hanging out with each other's friends over the course of the year and i'm pretty sure i i went into his roommate into his room to hang out with his roommate one day to like smoke weed and play video games and uh austin was hanging out listening to music i was kind of like i don't know maybe being a little bit nosy just kind of like looking around the room and like seeing what stuff he got and he's got like drumsticks and like a drum pad but he's also got like a trumpet and I really connected with that like right off the bat because like I was somebody who played guitar because I wanted to be in like rock bands, but like I'm also like a pretty heavily trained like trombone player, like jazz trombone player just from school. And like, that's what I wanted to study in college initially. So um, I just like, I don't know. We just, we found out that we had a lot of common. He was a multi-instrumentalist. Uh, he was really into skateboarding. I was really into skateboarding. Um, he was pretty into, you know, drinking and smoking weed and, I was pretty into drinking yeah. and smoking weed and I actually ended up looking. He had his like iTunes casted on the TV when we were hanging out in the room, just chilling. And I saw that he had like the Joyce Manor self-titled on his iTunes. And I saw that he had like modern baseball and the front bottoms and a couple of like stories so far, uh, weather box, just like a handful of bands that I was, I was eyes were glowing. Of, like wow. I was convinced that I was the only one, you know, yeah. at least on this floor who would know anything about any of those bands. And so I was super juiced and we started talking immediately just about music and kind of right off of the bat, 
um, from that initial conversation, he gave me a list of like five or 10 bands like that to this day, I remember transit was on that list, which was like, I freaking fell in love with transit and their music. Uh, he showed me Algernon Cadwallader and I fell in love with that band and their music. And, uh, I think he showed me title fight, which is like, like crazy, you know? And it's just like silly. Like, I don't know, like we just bonded really, really hard over kind of liking the same music and not expecting to find somebody who liked the same stuff and kind of having a similar experience, I guess, like in high school, playing in a lot of bands, feeling like I was the one who was driving the force and like keeping everything together and being it sounds excited like to... um, it's meant to be to me. It sounds like destiny yeah, like for those, a little bit, those bands yeah. that are so kind of niche at times that, you know, you're not really going to come across someone that easily that's into it. And you're like, tick, tick, tick. And you're also like them fucking hell. And uh, it seems a bit too good to be true. Well, and it was, and it was funny because like talk, like we talked about before, like in the past, I'd never thought about that. Like who likes what music? It was just like, can you play this instrument and are you good at it? And like, I basically started a band with this guy without ever hearing him play drums. Um, and because like we were in the dorms, like he didn't have a drum kit. I think he played in the jazz band and like, I didn't play in the jazz band. So like, we did not play together. We like, we never made music together. Um, or even jammed or even did like school stuff until we started writing songs. And he was actually like guitar player in mom jeans first. Like that's what he started out as. And he was a better guitar player than I was. So yeah, like you said, it was just, it just kind of felt meant to be um, when I met Austin and um, we kind of, you know, at least like academically, like our paths kind of stayed along the same trajectory. Like we com both completed our degrees um, in the same amount of time. Um, both, you know, stayed in school for the same amount of time during the same amount of time, like nobody kind of had to branch off or like do something different. And so we were able to spend a lot of time together. We ended up living together for a couple of years um, and just like becoming a little bit of a, a unit. Like, yeah, Austin's my best friend and he has been for a long time. So um, and we had a bass player, um, somebody playing bass in our band Um and they had graduated and they were a year older than us. And we were kind of like navigating and they weren't always available to play in our band. We would like do fill in bass players like from time to time when he couldn't um, make it. Um, and then we ended up meeting Bart uh, just from playing shows like early on. Like we were just a small local band and we did what any small local band does, which is just, you know, you follow every band that you like and you send the messages when they're playing your local town and you ask if you can play the show and stuff like that. And Bart was in a really, really excellent band um, called Meet Me in Montauk um, from Fresno, California. That's now not around anymore, but they were really, really, I loved their music and I was really into that band. Um, and so Mom Jeans would play shows with them. And as their band was kind of like dissolving and finishing uh, its lifespan, uh, Bart ended up becoming one of those people who filled in for our old bass player. And so... And after a couple of tours with Bart, we decided that we didn't want to tour without Bart anymore and we wanted to keep him in the group. And so that's when we added a second guitar player. Um, and over and then later Sam joined the band, which is really funny because Sam has been doing his band Just Friends this whole time and has been, you know, there. And I've I've known Sam since I was in high school. Like Sam saw my high school band play and he like He's one of the few people that knows me from from a a deep dark time and and still likes me and wants to be my friend 
Um, and so it's just like, yeah, meeting, like we all came together kind of like slowly and in our own time and in our own right, but it's been like really organic. And the cool thing is, is like, I know a lot of bands will be like, oh, like these guys are my best friends. Like, oh, you know, but like really these, these dudes are actually my best friends and, and I cherish the relationships that like I've made. Like I, I talk to Sam like almost every day. Um, and I feel like very, very, um, I don't know, like I said before, like grateful that we kind of figured out how to create a space of like emotional security and like creative expression rather than just like who's really good at their instruments and kind of did that early on. And I think that that's given our band a lot of space to grow. And I think that that's given the people that we interact with like a little bit of like, I don't know, confidence and like just like warm feeling because we they they don't feel like it's like a competition or anything like nobody's showing off we're just here to have a good time so your band's grown at quite a fast rate and when you look at sort of old gig posters you see yourself going further mm -hmm. up the lineup and i know it must be weird because you're in the band so i'm talking to you as someone mm -hmm. that it's so personal to you because you're you're you know the front man you're there it's your band but were you ever able to take a step back and kind of see what was happening or were you just too caught up in it as it was getting bigger the support slots were getting bigger the venues were getting bigger you were getting to play different countries and i suppose is there a moment when you kind of try and reflect or were you just too absorbed in the whole kind of journey uh, that's a good question i think a little bit of both i think that you know like not, not not to bring the old pandemic into it but you know the pandy really i think forced a lot of people to kind of sit and think it was time about out for everyone, wasn't it? Yeah, it was a forced time out. Sit in your corner and think about what you've done. And I think that like there was a lot of self reflection that came with that. That was like really needed. Um, for me, I do think that it's a constant struggle. To be honest, I think like just as a person and like as people in our band, like we're just the type of people who I think have a certain drive for productivity. And that's not even necessarily like related to this band. And that's not even necessarily related to like forward progress, I guess, in the sense of like numbers or money. Like we just want to keep making things and we just want to keep doing things because like we have an inherent need inside of ourselves. Like we have an anxiety that is, you know, quelled when we do stuff, when we make things. Um, but I think it is really, really important given the nature of this industry that we find ourselves in um, as musicians and as entertainers and given just the nature of like the world that we're in right now. Um, also, you know, in the context of being American, like we don't have like the best mental health services out here. We don't have the best health services out here. We don't have the best infrastructure for taking care of low income individuals, um, you know, people with disabilities, like the list goes on and on and on um just like how our shit's just like not as together out here it's a little bit more stressful to be a person sometimes of course <laughs> and um you need to give yourself breaks and i think you need to you need to work actively to remind yourself of the progress that you have made and to kind of like look back on those things because like you really don't a lot of the a lot of the time like you're really just thinking about the next post and like the next tour and like the next release and you're not really like you're not going back through your your own instagram like reminding yourself of like oh you know two years ago we were like playing for five people and like now we're playing <laughs> for 50 people like that's really cool i think there's definitely been moments where we've looked around ourselves and been like oh 
whoa, like, okay, there's a lot of people here now. Like, when did that happen? Sort of vibe. But I think that we've tried to, I don't know, rather than like try to encourage that or try to like relish it or like enjoy it, I guess, like we've just always, our concern has always been like how to manage it properly and how to manage it responsibly because like while getting like reaching a milestone of like oh yeah we're going to play internationally like that's awesome getting to go play the uk like that's fantastic it it means less to me if like we go over there and like something bad happens and like somebody gets hurt at a show or if somebody um or you know like we run out of merch and like nobody's able to like get a flipping t-shirt or like something like that um and i think that there's so like we just have an anxiety of just like wanting to do things the right way i guess like if you're gonna do it like try to do it right it's and your that baby definitely... though isn't it and you yeah. want it to be right and you want people that have invested time which is so hard to get from people nowadays because it's very easy and comfortable just to stay at home and to yeah. get people's time and money which is uh, we're living in a world now where money's tighter than it's ever been to get that investment and kind of buy-in from someone you want to give them the best you can yeah and just i mean and that's just like i feel like that's just what we have to offer as yeah. as a band to be honest i think that you know i'm i'm the last person who's going to stand here like if anybody is familiar with our music like you know we're not reinventing the wheel or anything like we're not pushing the boundaries of the genre by any means like this is a a guitar heavy like like twinkly punk rock band and that's what it is and that's what it's always going to be and i don't think that we are um you know really pushing the levels of what's been done sonically uh historically i think that you know there's definitely people out there who are making much more groundbreaking music you know than we are um but with that i think there's something to be said of creating a fun safe i don't know if i want to say like wholesome but like wholesome environment where people feel like they can put stock in and invest in coming here having a good time being themselves and they can trust that that's actually going to happen they don't need to have the anxiety of like oh am i actually going to go and have a good time or like oh am i going to go and are people going to be nice to me or like oh is this band like actually going to like give a fuck that i spent my money and like took public transit to get here like do they even realize what i have to go through you know to even make it to this gig like on a tuesday night across town and I think that like there's small things that you can do as like a performer and as a touring act to like really make each person or like each stop like really feel seen. And I feel like that's just like the one thing that we try to do really hard is we try to make people feel seen and we try to we try to make them feel included in, in whatever accomplishments we yeah, might. It's, it's you know? really nice. And, to I, hear and that's because... actually helped. That's helped a lot, to yeah. be honest, um, in hindsight. Um because it makes those milestones and those accomplishments feel more real because it's it's not just an accomplishment for me. It's like an accomplishment for everybody who's ever invested in this band. And I hope that anytime that we get to do something really cool, like not that it'll happen, but if we ever get to play like Coachella one day or something, like I hope that people are excited for us and they're excited on our behalf. And that's an exciting thing for them to be like, oh, wow, like I saw this band play for, you know, like I was there when they played for 15 people and like I bought a t-shirt and I bought a record and I supported them at a time when they really, really needed it. And now look at what they're doing. And I think that that makes, it just makes it more enjoyable and makes everybody feel more included. I hope. I think the fact you're so humble 
um, people are going to be rooting for you. It's not, not like the underdog because you've achieved amazing stuff, but because you're just wanting to have a good time. You're not going out there arrogantly saying, we're the best fucking band in the world and we're making music <laughs> that's going to change the world. You know what you're doing. You've got great songs. You've got great structure. And it's not a case of playing it safe. You just know what Mom Jeans is. And you mm-hmm. you know what has got you to where you are. So why would you fuck it up and try and change it? Because it's working and you're enjoying yeah. it and you're passionate about it. And that shines through already just from meeting you for 20 minutes. And to be humble and aware of what the fans give is so important because I interview bands all day, every day, and I see bands lose touch and then it's transparent. You see when they stop caring and it's just a, right, what gigs next? Let's get through it. How more days, yeah. five more days of the tour, then we can fuck it off and go home. It's like, that's not the, that's not what I want to invest my time or money in. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think, I don't know, like it's, it's more of a, I think it's more of like a personal thing for me to be honest, but like, you know, the band is an extension of like me and it's an extension of my, my personality as well. Um, but, you know, I think I just, I'm, I'm trying really hard to, to be grateful for the position that, that we're in right now and to not take things for granted. And I think that there's just like, yeah, there's a lot of reasons why um, people don't get to keep doing this. And there's a lot of reasons why people, um, you know, aren't at the right place at the right time. And I just feel really, really, um, you know, lucky and fortunate to have the infrastructure and to have the environment that we have and to have the band that I have, honestly, um, you know, I think that we've, to give my, my boys some credit and our team some credit, we've like had to navigate like a lot of growing pains in the last few years, you know, talking about money with your best friends and like yeah. talking about splits and like what everybody, like that stuff is not fun not and cool. it's never going to be fun. No. It, yeah, dude, it's, it's, huh, it's not cash money at all. It's like the worst thing, but it's stuff that needs to be done. And at the end of the day, like you're, it's the people that you trust the most and it's the people that you want to see be successful and be t- see taken care of the most. So you have to work through these challenges and, you know, signing all these paperwork and doing all the business stuff and taxes, this, and, um, you know, licensing that and all this stuff. Like it's really not any of the reasons why people start a band and, and like get into it. It's like none of the fun stuff, but, um, I think we realize that we are, fortunate enough to be in a position where like if we just take things one step at a time and if we treat each decision and each you know task with like seriousness and i guess keeping longevity and sustainability in mind like we can actually put ourselves in a position where we can keep doing this for a long time and we don't have to be one of those bands that like tours incredibly hard for like four years and then burns out because like we're in our early 30s but our bodies are in our 50s and i like we're already getting to that point you know like our bodies are already taking a toll um our brains are already starting to you know take a toll so it's it's cool i don't know it's it's hard sometimes man it's like a really crazy balance to try and like do everything and try to do it all uh for the right reasons but at the same time like yeah you don't really have a choice do you you know you life happens and like you just you just go with what what you got and you try to make the best of it and you try to be a good person and you try to like take care of the people around you um 
I, I was and... looking at your tour structure today for the UK, Europe, Australia, Canada, and it's, A little crazy. it's, it's when I'm just looking at it, it makes me tired. I'm like, February, you've got like 15 shows, I think, and you're going to all the UK, you've got Germany, back to the UK, you've got Belgium. It's, it's just mad. And I'm like, as, as exciting as great it is, you've got to probably be aware that like, on the first night, you can't go absolutely crazy, party till 6am, be smoking weed all night, drinking and expect to do it all again for 14 nights. You know, it's, it's, Oh, I suppose yeah, no. you've got to, you've got to kind of respect your own bodies because otherwise you're just going to crumble. Yeah, I, yeah, we we know that at this point. Yeah. For what it's for what it's worth, a little insight into us and the mom jeans. Like we're not huge party party animals, you know. We'll we'll drink a couple white claws here and there. We'll we'll get a little saucy, but other other than that, we're we're not too uh, we're not too crazy. We're good boys most of the time. Yeah, and uh, I think because we're also like I don't know, we're getting older. Which I, I think is, I know people will laugh at me being like 27 and be like, oh, I'm getting older. But like, it really feels that way, man. Like I started doing this band when I was like 18 and it really, you know, I see the 21 year olds now and they're like the young kids. And like, I even felt like the old guy when I was 21. So it's just, it's funny um, to see it all happen. But yeah, I don't think we, we've kind of gotten to a point in our lives where we're just like really happy, like playing music together. Like that's another thing. Like I am grateful for that as well. Like in our band, like at the end of the day, it is really just about getting to make music together. Like that's what I really, really love is getting to, to play these songs and getting to look over at my friends and just like have those special magic moments that you, that you get when you're making music with people um, and getting to do that in front of an audience. And so we do try to have fun and keep ourselves entertained while we're on the road, obviously, but, I feel like we do a pretty good job of keeping it all, you know, in service of the tour and in service of the shows. It's definitely, I think, a little bit easier when we're over here in the U.S. and we have like an RV and like everybody gets to sleep on the on the bus and yeah. like it's super chill and like nice green rooms and catering and stuff. So international is a little bit different because it's always a different story. It's always a little bit of a, you know, flip things upside down. So we have to be more flexible, but that also makes it. I don't know, a little bit more exciting. Like we kind of have to go with the flow. It's almost like, like amazing race, like band edition sort of where you just have like have these challenges that you have to get through and you still got to play the show. And like, who knows, maybe you'll get to use your own guitar tonight. <laughs> like Let's hope and so. you just got to go with it. And, um, but at the end of the day, like we also try to realize that like, I'm trying to look at it, not from my perspective only too. like, I'm trying to look at it from the perspective of people um, you know, who might live in Amsterdam or who might live in Belgium or who might live in Germany and, you know, realistically, like they're never going to be able to make it to New York or California or Chicago for like a big mom jean show. And the fact that we're actually going to be out there and OK, maybe it's not going to be at a huge 2000 cat venue with like everybody singing along all the words and it's like super crazy and exciting. But like you still get to see us, you still get to hear the songs in person. And I think that if that was me. If I lived that far away, if music was a big part of my life and it was so rare that I got the occasion to see bands that I like, like I would really be excited and I would really I would really appreciate it if people came and like still took it seriously. So I think like that's kind of the mindset that we're trying to to take for it is that like we 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 see the numbers. Like we have the Spotify stats, like there are people who listen to our band internationally. Like 
they do exist. So hey, in the UK, to not shows try are to selling out. I look today in Leeds and Birmingham and all and this. You know, it's great. I guess I'm talking more about Europe because Europe is, I mean, UK, yeah, is awesome. UK is always awesome. UK is almost like a carbon copy uh, of yeah. the US as far as like show culture. Um, but Europe is just like different, um, you know, like it's it's just less of a thing. Uh, and so I think, yeah, we're, we're, we're really excited. Honestly, I love the way that we have the tour kind of scheduled to like bookending it with the UK. Like we'll have some great shows to start some tour, the tour. We'll have some shows where we got to work for it a little bit more and then we'll come back and we'll have some great shows to end the tour and it'll be nice. So it's awesome. Man. I love that and they sing that... the riffs in the UK too. That's the other thing that always like gets that. me. Like you sing the guitar riffs and that's so wild. They don't do that out here. The the summer as well looks amazing. The whole sad summer festival, you know, taking back Sunday. Um, I think I can't remember the post now. Stand Atlantic, Hot Milligan. I remember yeah. seeing those guys, and I was like, I think is it Head Automatica and LS Dunes are on there now. And it's just, every time I see the post, I'm like, that's like a dream lineup. I'm seeing all this. It, it's like, like a lot of special guests too. Like there's some pretty good like like smaller bands too. Like yeah, in the opening slots that they're swapping around is really really good. I'm excited about that. Um, yeah, is, we did the that, first. Is that a weird? Summer, is that so. a kind of a weird mentality for that? Because it's not relying on people coming just to see you. Do you kind of go there with hoping that maybe someone hasn't heard Mom Jeans goes and sees Taken Back Sunday, and by the end of the show they're like, "Fucking hell, Mom Jeans are great. I want to buy their album." Absolutely, I think that like we honestly we like to kind of like switch back and forth when we when we tour between like having you know like a headline situation where like people are very clearly there for us. And it's like the mom jeans show, and like we get a lot of it. Oh, little this puppy! This is my little dog who ah, was making lots of noise during the interview. Oh, I couldn't hear it. That's okay. You make as much noise as you want. <laughs> He's so cute. That's Florence. Um, Florence. That's so awesome. Yeah, yeah, my dog is somewhere, somewhere around. She's big. I couldn't pick her up to show no, you. She, but in the background, I could hear her, and I'm like, oh, she's gonna start oh. making a noise in a minute, and everyone be like, is that oh, a dog in the background? I gotta give her some love so she's quiet. That's yeah. awesome. But yeah, um, I think it's yeah. So we we try to like, I don't know, go back and forth, I guess. I think that like it's easy to want to just like play big shows where everybody's there to see you and everybody's excited about your band and you get a great reaction. But at the same time, like not only do you gain a lot of fans, um, I guess, like, quote unquote, by playing bigger shows and like opening for people who might not know who you are. Um, but I think you also just like learn a lot that's been my experience like you just learn a lot about yourself you learn a lot about um your own band i think putting yourself in challenging situ like challenging situations where like you aren't the big deal and you're that's like, so you know, important you're the two of you're the yeah, two be of, out five of your band, comfort zone otherwise you're, you're gonna getting, get too you're not getting a sound check we've learned a lot i think that it's very easy to get into your comfort zone and, you know, I'm I'm not in a position to judge anybody else. Right. I'm not in a position to judge anybody else's process or um, the way that they do uh, their show or anything. But I think like we've learned a lot in the past few years that like trying to simplify things and keep it really easy and keep it really um, just kind of streamlined um, in as far as equipment, like keeping it very simple. Uh, not using a ton of crap, like not using a ton of gear, not using a ton of wireless stuff, not using a ton of amp modeling shit. Play it um, safe. Not using a ton. Like I think I use a one in ear in one of my ears to like reinforce my vocals, yeah. but like none of us do in ears. It's just like very 
because that shit all breaks you know yeah. what i mean and so too much I've stuff really... to rely on man no, like and wireless there's... guitars and all these different transmitters and frequencies it freaks me out i'm like look just keep it simple and there's a handful of tours that we have done um one of them being the first sad summer tour and that was like i think in 2019 so it was like three or four years ago um another one was we opened for hobo johnson on like a full u.s tour um here in the states um and another one was that we opened we did a full u.s tour opening for the story so far uh here in the states and on all three of those tours like like i said not only did we feel like we played for a bunch of people who had never heard us before and maybe like garnered some new fans we just learned so much about what we like and what we don't like sad summer we saw what it was like to be like an early band on a day-long festival with you know seven eight other acts and like what it felt like to do that and what that process was we learned that we actually like it i kind of like being done by like 6 p.m to be honest like i don't i don't hate it and in the context of a full day like i'm really excited for sad summer because it kind of takes some of the pressure off like as you might have noticed like from this conversation like we take our we take a lot of like responsibility in like what we do and like when we bring people Massively. to shows and we ask them to come see us we feel a huge sense of responsibility to take care of those people um and when you headline that is kind of amplified a lot because like a lot of even small decisions that you make end up impacting the actual show goer and you don't want to make decisions that are going to negatively impact them or make them less likely to come see you or just make them have a bad time because you just don't want that. When you're part of a big festival, like it's not your responsibility so much. It's your responsibility to hold the organizers accountable, but it's not, you know, mom jeans's job to make sure that there's like security at the event. It's not mom jeans's job to make sure that like wristbands are being checked and that like nobody under 21 is drinking like stuff like that. Um, and that allows us to kind of like just focus on performing a little bit more. And, you know, like when, like I said, like when we, we headline, it's just a different experience. Like we're going to play for an hour and 15 minutes. We're going to try and play as many songs as we possibly can and give people their money's worth. When it's sad summer, we have 30 minutes and we have 30 minutes to make as big Such of an impression as we possibly so can. Different. And so we just come out there guns blazing and like try to make an impression and we don't have to pace ourselves and we don't have to be concerned with you know not playing the hard songs like we just go out there and we just rip it and we leave it all out on the field and that's a different experience and that's kind of fun and that it's badass in its own way and being a kind of like punk centric band where like we all just use one amp and like one guitar and like a pedal board and we just plug in and we go um it's incredibly it's incredibly fun to like do that in those situations and be a band who's like kind of a little bit more old school, but it just like works and there's no complications and we just rip it and we just have a really, really good time. And rather than like futzing with my pedal board or like with my wireless pack for half the sec set, like I'm just jumping off the drum kit and like <laughs> spinning in circles and like having a good time. Sorry about that. Oh, good. Um, my final Gotta question. Take care of Florence. Oh God. Yeah. Florence is uh, demanding. And because she's been on her own all day, cause I've been at the hospital and stuff. Oh, She's like, I want attention. I'm like, oh. yep. My dog recently has been on this thing where she like just wants me to let her outside just to see that I will get up <laughs> and open the door and she'll go out, poke her head out and then immediately want to be let back in again. And it's I'm a like, power trip. Dog, you got to make up your mind. My, my final question for you today, and I ask this on every episode and we're nearly mm -hmm. at 
just over 250 episodes, which is crazy, but everyone wow. gives a different answer. But um, if you've listened to the podcast, you might remember it now, but I get the guest to choose the outro piece of music. So oh, right. the final song that is played is always the choice of the guest who's been on. So excellent. as I edit this, put it all together, get it out there for the world to listen to, that very final song is something that probably hopefully means a lot to you and has a reason. But a musician always finds it hard because there's obviously millions of songs and I'm sure you've got 20 in your head already. But to try and kind of get it down to just one, I know isn't easy. But is there a song that when I asked the question came to you before any other that just has a special place in your heart that would be the perfect outro song after all this is wrapped up? Yeah, there is. I actually did think about this a little bit. Um, and the song that I thought of was No Better Place by Fountains of Wayne. Nice. It's on the it's on uh, Welcome Interstate Managers. It's really, it's the same album that Stacy's mom is I was, on. I was everybody say, knows I that song. I haven't heard them since Stacy's mom when everybody had it, and it was in Kerrang and on MTV Two every day. And I, I yeah, I got to give props to Josh, bass player from Wonder Years. We were talking about Fountains of Wayne, and he he ever said he's like, you ever listen to the rest of that album, the one that Stacy's mom's on? And I was like, <laughs> no, not not really. I just really love that song. He's like, do yourself a favor. He's like, tonight on your drive because I know you guys have an eight hour night drive. Like, listen to this record and you'll you'll thank me. And I did. And that album is insane. I, everything the Fountains of Wayne does is awesome. But um, I it, it bums me out that they get labeled as like a one hit wonder band because all their music is amazing. And that album in particular, um, I've said it sometimes, but like it was a huge influence on me for the way we did Sweet Tooth and like why it sounds the way that it sounded. Um, I really feel like on that record, they they do what each song needs yeah. regardless of doing what would make an album sound cohesive. Um, but it doesn't sound like a mixtape as like a lot of albums would with that approach. Um, it sounds cohesive because they did that with every single song and because they followed that through and no better place is really awesome because it sounds like a country song and like sonically, it's just like very different. Um, from anything that you really it's like super twangy and it's like all these riffs like on the bridge pickup on the telly it's like just like very like south uh like country like southern american rock inspired um and he's got like kind of a drawl with the way that he does like all the lyrics and stuff but it's still the same band and when i heard that song i still listen to it like pretty regularly and every time i hear it i'm just like wow like this is just a flex of like what a great band can do with great songwriting when they take their role seriously i guess um so yeah that's i'm gonna be I, on a I, I think that song's of wayne awesome. binge now i've not listened to them for years yeah. and now i'm gonna do be yourself a favor i love that this is a second podcast interview i talk about fountains of wayne i love that band they're so awesome um but yeah they're as it they're the shit um that song's awesome so I, I would love that to be the outro music amazing thank you so much dude for coming on i feel like we could talk of for course. absolutely hours yeah. um I hope our paths cross again. I'm going to come and see one of your UK shows. I'm quite close to yeah, Birmingham, so I'm going to get there and come down because uh, I haven't had a chance to see you guys play live, and I, I, it's on my list, so I'm really excited. And especially after today, I'm now really fired up, so I'm like, get me to a show, and it's, I think it's only yeah, next week. Yeah, hopefully we, so. can, uh, we can link up and get a cheap yeah. pint or something. That'd be nice. That would be good. Thank you so much for coming on the show, and um, Absolutely. Yeah, I, I can't wait to see what people say from your live shows and the album and everything else you've got planned. It's It's amazing to speak to you. Yeah, we can't wait. We're we're just we're just stoked to be here. You know what I'm saying? So happy. <laughs> so there it is. There's my interview with me and the amazing Eric Butler from the incredible band Mom Jeans. 
And as I said at the start of today's interview, I truly mean this. This is one of my favourite episodes I've done in a very long time. I just loved Eric. I loved everything about him. We hit it off straight away. It was like, it didn't feel like I was doing any work. It was just chatting to someone that I've known years, maybe with a pint at a pub, and it just flowed perfectly. So I'm really, really proud of this interview, and I hope you guys at home have enjoyed it just as much as me. Please go and check out the band Mom Jeans. They have just toured over here, so you may have just missed that. But honestly, their brand new album is absolutely brilliant. It's called Sweet Tooth and you can listen to it or go and buy it on vinyl. You will not be let down. It's so, so good. And if you do, hit me up on any of my social media channels and let me know because it means the absolute world to me if I see someone discover a brand new band because of my recommendation on this podcast. And you know, all the links to all my social media channels are on markandme.com. As you listen to this podcast, why not go on your Twitter page, Facebook or Instagram and share this. It costs you guys absolutely nothing. The podcast will always be free, but all I ask in return for listening to today's interview is just hitting a couple of buttons on your phone or laptop. It goes such a long way if you share an episode and all those friends on your Facebook or followers on Twitter and Instagram might just see the Mom Jeans logo and Mark and Me artwork. I'll give that a go. And the next thing you know, they're listening every week to Mark and me. They're fully on board and that's all I can ask for because I don't have this huge budget to have a marketing team. I'm a one-man team, so I rely on my fan base to share the word, get it out there and it really, really means a lot to me. I do have a Patreon page and this allows me to have the podcast and host it on stuff like Amazon Music, Podomatic, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, but I do need support. I've lost a few people recently and I totally understand with the cost of living crisis that people haven't got as much disposable money. But if you've got a couple of pounds every month just to say thank you for the podcast, it goes right back into the podcast. I don't pay myself. It gives me petrol to travel around the country, do more interviews, which basically means more podcasts for you guys at home. It's a win-win, but I do rely on that quite heavily and I really do need to see a bit of an increase in that to keep this podcast going. Thanks again today for listening. I hope you've all enjoyed the interview with me and Eric just as much as me. As always, I'll be back with a brand new episode in only a couple of days time. So until then, look after yourself, listen to mum jeans, take care and I'll speak to you all very soon. Shiny tower kicked around till happy hour found you.
drink that smirk right off your face. Now you're leaving New York for no better place. Here's your reflection in a building uptown. A ghost inside some Madison Avenue display. Like water on the bridges, you're slowly passing by. Now you're leaving New York 